Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life here in Alaska. Joined, like always, by the one, the only, Mr. Sean Love. Hey, what's up, guys? And it's episode 34, and big things are happening. It's officially hunting season. Oh, yeah, we've got the seasons popping off around the state. Deer hunting's going, and that's exciting. August 1st opened up, alpine deer hunting, and uh, we've got uh, sheep season coming here in uh, T-minus eight days. I leave town here in, uh, what, five days, four days? Not when yet. you guys hear this episode, I'll be done diddly in the field and hopefully already packing out the first sheep of the season. Um, but yeah, man, it's exciting. That time of year. Crazy. I'm already trying to plan. I'm already getting time off. <laughs> yeah. I'm already booking out weeks and time off and Heck yeah. trying to plan around other people's schedules already. <laughs> Sam's got plans. I'm like, well, we got to change those plans a little bit. And I got, you know, this is moose season. I'm booking <laughs> out this entire month. <laughs> right. No, and shoot. I mean, shit, when, by the time this comes out, I think this will come out right before y'all hop on the plane to head out to ADAC, too. Yeah. Fuck, man. Oof. That'll be fun. Fuck, man. I'm excited. You're getting close. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Not going to lie. Heck, yeah. Y'all gone through your gear yet or what? Oh, that's what I did a lot of doing last night. Yeah. So we've got, check this out. I ordered an adapter. So you can't get the small fuel cans in ADAC. Yep, the, the white the, gas. Yeah, that's like, the, I think they're a quarter pound mm-hmm. or whatever, ounces, cans. But they make an adapter. Because you can get the green cans and refill the one-pound green cans with propane cylinders, which they ship on a boat mm. there. So they like they have propane stoves there and whatnot. Yeah. They have propane one-pound one pound cans. So you can carry a, one of those green one-pound cans. I have found an adapter that goes from the can to my um, Pocket Rocket Deluxe. Ooh. Instead of, you know, the normal, I yeah. don't know what kind of jack it is, but... That's a lot of fuel. <laughs> We're going to have days, weeks of boils. <laughs> You're right. That'll be nice, though, because you can just have one can, basically, because there's going to be, yeah. what, four of you guys on that trip? So it's going to be, yeah, five. Five for sure, maybe six. Oh, wow. So y'all got a pretty big crew going out there. Yeah, so we're going to probably split in half. And then one of us is going to go down the, I believe it's the Yak Yak Peninsula. The, I have to have a map. Uh, on the, what would be the southwest yeah, corner? Southwest yep, yep, yep. And then, because we're going to take around, I think it's like Hatchet Bay or something right there, right at the base yep. of Yak Yak. And then they're going to head northeast from there to go climb up a couple spines. But we're going to head down the peninsula, give it a look, and then come back and Hell yeah. put some miles in. Heck yeah. It'll be fun. I'm stoked for you. Uh, you got to take tons of pictures because I want to see it in the summer because it's definitely a different landscape in the winter, that's for sure. But. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fucking badass. But it's definitely a different experience because you're flying all your shit out there, but there's a lot of things you can't take. Like, you can't take the butane for your thermocell mm-hmm. and things like that, which you just hadn't had anyways. But lots of different things. And then managing to get the antlers and whatnot back. So yep. you have to make there's no brain in there. You have to tape off all the tines with cardboard or, like, yep. 
they were talking about using the old garden hose and sticking it on mm-hmm. the end. I know, a really on. good one. Uh, you have to have the spent cartridges, but uh, uh, shotgun shells because oh, they, they slide yeah. right over the tip, and then you just tape. <laughs> the, yep, exactly. <laughs> and then you just tape the shotgun shell on there. That are like pool noodles. You do uh, pool, pool noodles noodle. and just stick those on. Cut it, stick it on. You can get you know out of one noodle probably twelve tines at least. Perfect. But lots of that, and then because then there's a new rule that you have to have all your meat like vacuum sealed or saran wrapped to get it back. You can't just be in the cooler or anything like that. Because yeah. I don't know how you guys did yours. We sealed. Did we have a vacuum? No, we. So what we did is we butchered all of ours. Because um, since it was the winter, we were able to hang them in the uh, units we were staying at because we were staying in some of the old uh, military housing there. Mm. And in the garages, we just hang them and then we'd butcher them. And put them in gallon Ziploc, like freezer bags, mm-hmm. and then just load those up, put those in the cooler, freeze those, put those in the cooler. And then when we got back, we took all of ours to Indian Valley, got it processed. Mm-hmm. But then uh, the other guys, you know, they went gra- ground all theirs or did all their home processing. So we just flew them back in uh, gallon freezer bags because we didn't want to have to fly a vacuum sealer or anything out there. Yeah. But with the, you know, those nice zipper freezer bags, they stay pretty good and, you know, press some of that air out of there. And especially if you plan on processing, getting it processed or processing it yourself as soon as you get back, you know, you're not going to get any freezer burn on it or anything because it's only going to be frozen for a handful of days before heading out. Smart. Because, yeah, I think we're going to we'll process it all out there. For sure, deep bone and everything. Yeah. All out there and cut it into, you know, manageable pieces yeah we just kept it in all the large muscle groups you know that's keep, pretty much what it is. we basically had our shanks all of our you know roasts cut up our back straps and i mean you have your rib meat and stuff but we'd all you know all the Dang stew grind. or exactly <laughs> the grind pile exactly yeah. um but yeah all of our roasts and stuff and shanks we just kept in you know the muscle groups and threw them in the bag because when you get here you can you know stake your roast if you want or do whatever you want with them but you know, just so, you know, rough, rough butcher it, but. Besides that, I'll be leaving my, uh, my 44 and my bear spray at home. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's the. Because there ain't any bears. <laughs> <laughs> that's the cool thing about ADAC. There's no worry about predators. The biggest predator is an eagle. Yeah, they do make some fucking big eagles out there. <laughs> I'll tell you, one tried to freaking grab my back pocket while we were out there. Was, <laughs> You're going was, with me. Exactly. No kidding. <laughs> I ain't that big of a person. Though. He could have, he could have took me a little bit. <laughs> But I'm pretty stoked about that. It's going to be a good time. Heck, yeah. Got any uh, certain gear you're taking that's, like, special to the trip outside of that propane adapter? I take it you and Sam are going to be splitting a tent. I think y'all are going to y'all are gonna take uh, my MSR, right? Yep. Yeah. Three man, Mother Hubba. The Mother Hubba. Yeah, I'm going to for me tonight. Heck, yeah. No, that's that'll be a good, great shelter for I you guys. I love that tent. Yeah, because, I, I mean, that's that what we time. ran during bear season, and plenty of space, oh, super light. I mean, I shouldn't say super light, but for being, like, a roomy three-man yeah, with we're a double vestibule, and, yeah. I think it's, what, like, f- just under, I think it's, like, four pounds, ten ounces or something like that, including yeah. steaks and the stuff sack, yeah. and that's rain fly, inner fly, poles. Like. But once you take the poles and the steaks out, you can just, I've bought some compression sacks the other day. Oh, yeah. And just... Super tight, super small. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I the way it's designed, I like to even just, especially since you'll be running your Kuyu bag, you know your bottom straps are your Kuyu? Oh, yeah. what, the same good. spot you put uh, your uh, sitting pad. pad. Yeah. I usually uh, just stuff it in there and suck it down. And it, I mean, keeps it 
fairly dry if it's raining because it's on the underneath of your underside of your pack and stuff yeah. and i just always situate it to where the poles you can either take the poles out and stick those like in your pack or something or just put them on the top side to where when you set your pack down you're not just slamming the whole pack weight on the freaking poles but no that worked really good and that's what i did Ooh. <laughs> sorry uh motorcycle Coming cruising down I the road. It was an air raid. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> China's coming. <laughs> oh, speaking, did you see the freaking the tweet that uh, China's uh, oh, official Twitter get me put out? Started. <laughs> it's you coming, know. boys. Pelosi goes one time. <laughs> <laughs> she chose to try to insider trade with them over there. <laughs> right. I don't know. They don't even want her there. They don't even want her there. Oh God. Yeah, we won't we won't dive into that. <laughs> we won't open that can of worms right now. Insider training one time. Yeah, we got hunting season. We got hunting season. <laughs> oh man. No, I'm freaking stoked. I'm I'm excited to see uh Sam's pack in action and see how she likes that. Oh yeah, we'll get some sweet pictures of it. She's super stoked. Heck yeah. Well, that's gonna be that's gonna be dope. Yeah, we're gonna get some great pictures and her brother might go with us. Oh, really? So that'd be really cool. Ooh. He's badass. Yeah, he's a badass dude. No, that'll be that'll be cool. That'll be exciting. Yeah. So pretty stoked about the whole deal. That's sick. What's Sam taking for uh, a gun? She's taking her Remington two seventy. Oh, nice. There you go. That's a great rifle. Yeah, it's classic. You can't go wrong. Oh yeah, been killing things for freaking decades. Time. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get her a new uh, butt pad because she doesn't like the one she's got. It's yeah. a little thin. I get it. it hurts so. We'll do that, and we'll adjust the eye relief and zero it in, and we'll get it ready to go for her. Thank you. But time is flying by. Oh, yeah. The clock is ticking. It's like after we get off of here, I got to go through my pack again. I'm so worried I'm going to fucking leave shit. I've gone through my checklist like a thousand times. I'm like, I've got everything. But I just don't want to get a dude camp and then not have the shit I need for two and a half months. No underwear. <laughs> Dude, that's one thing I need to pick up. I, I haven't decided what underwear I want to pack. I've got a lot of nice underwear, but I want to go, I'll probably end up picking up uh, some Merino wool, like boxer briefs mm. up at Barney's or something before we head out, or maybe even stop at REI or something. This is going to sound weird, but I love the good Calvin Klein. Yeah. I love them. See, I was thinking, because I've got some me undies that I absolutely love. I think I'm wearing a pair right now. Yeah, I am. Um, but super cozy. I just don't know how. I, I need to just Google it and see what they're made out of. Because I, I just, the nice thing about those merinos is they just stank factory. Stank, Exactly. Dude. And, you know, I'll probably take two pairs for every sheep hunt, but it's like Still, you do a 4,000-foot climb and, you know, do a hard pull like that, you're going to have some freaking monkey butt going. Yeah. So it's That's like, one thing that I am going to pack this time that I've never packed before. Mm-hmm. Dude wipes. Yeah. The, I just uh, I just got a package of, because I had an Amazon package of some hygiene stuff coming in, because that was like the last couple things I needed uh, to throw in my pack, and I got a bunch of, they weren't dude wipes, but like the brand dude wipes, but uh, shoot, they're like an outdoors white yeah. type deal but same but same deal but non-scented eco-friendly exactly uh freaking what is it called uh decomposing compostable yep yeah. but got that got a cool little uh micro toothbrush thingy I'm i sure. you were telling me about that 
Tell the people about your micro toothbrush, Michael. Hell yeah, man. Uh, so, no. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. No, it's like those, you know, those like airport travel toothbrushes, real small, like foldy ones. Mm-hmm. But this one stuffs inside of a little, almost like a cigar tube. And uh, it's got a little travel, like micro travel toothpaste container. So, you know, you're oh. like a travel toothpaste, but it's about like one fourth that size. And it comes with this little uh, adapter deal. You stick on your normal <laughs> tube of toothpaste so you can fill these guys up and it fits inside that little tube with your toothbrush. And then when you go to use it, you pull it out and it, the toothbrush like locks into that tube. So it's so nice. like, it's still a full length brush. So you're not, you don't have those little freaking two inch little dealio you're trying to use. So you can actually feel like you're truly brushing your teeth. And it was just like, it was like six bucks on Amazon or something. Some Chinese freaking hunk of turd, yeah. but it'll Dude, be nifty to try. I out. was thinking about you. My, this is going to be weird. <laughs> I was thinking about you. Aww. Uh, not when my sleep, but uh, at my grandma's house, she's got these little finger toothbrushes for a dog. Oh, and I was like, oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> You could take like one of those travel size toothpaste and, and just, just put it on stick your it on. You, yeah, you just stick it on the top and the cap. Boom! You could just flip it inside out if you want to get gunk on it. Boom! And then just roll it out. Put some toothpaste on. I had an elementary school teacher that would always brush her teeth at school with one of them motherfuckers <laughs> way back in the day. I still remember that because that was just the strangest thing. You're and like, just what the hell is wrong with you? Like, get your finger out your mouth, woman. <laughs> Um, yeah, I picked my nose, but that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, got that. Got some new Luco tape because I could never find my other roll. And I uh, got you a roll because it came in a two-pack. And if we run through a pack, uh, we got issues. We got some feet issues. Uh, yeah, that or you're <laughs> trying to stop the bleeding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that'll be nice, that Luco oh, tape. Uh, um, there you go. Oh. Is that a way to ASMR. <laughs> No, and if you guys uh, listen and don't know what Luco tape is, it's just like a super adhesive athletic tape. Um, it's like beige in color generally, but it's great for a foot care, uh, kind of a great substitute for mole skin. If you start getting blisters or hot spots, you can wrap your feet in it, and it'll stay for days at a time. Uh, it fits real smooth. I actually used to use it uh, back in the college football days to wrap my ankles and stuff because I have horrible ankles. And just really nice, really tough, hard to get off. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But uh, super handy. And it's just a really good, like, tape in general, real strong adhesive to where you could, you know, multipurpose it if you had to freaking tape something up in the field. You could, you know, make it happen. Uh, I probably plan on because I wouldn't ever take a full roll of it into the field because one, that's just way too much and it's heavy. Um, But I think I'm going to wrap a bunch around uh, both my trekking poles. That is Um, stupid sticky. Yeah, no, it's a great adhesive. And like once it's on, it's almost, you know, it's hard to get off and it can kind of be as you're struggling with right now, uh, hard to tear. (laughs) It's usually like a standard athletic tape. You just grab it. Mm-hmm. No, and it's a it it's stays like a, a lot. Yeah, exactly. Fabric tape. Because yeah, if you're accustomed to like the traditional white athletic tape, that's almost like feels like paper almost a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, this is probably four times as adhesive, and it's a lot more flexible and stuff to where you can you know cup your heel with it, ball of your foot, tape a toe, do whatever you need, and it feels a lot more natural. And and plus, I you know once again got that on Amazon for a two pack. I think it was like eight bucks. Really good. Yeah. And now I'm going to peel all my hair off my hand. <laughs> oh. 
wow, that's actually impressive. Yeah, no, it, it's super handy, and it's just one of those nice things to have. You can never have too much tape ever in any circumstance. I've always been a moleskin or an electrical tape. Yeah, moleskin, I think it just doesn't stay well. It like, doesn't. You have to tape it on anyways. Yeah, exactly. So this just, you know, eliminates the moleskin portion. I always still carry a little moleskin because it's nice to have that little extra padding if you need it, but mm. um, that works really good. I usually don't get hot spots to begin with, but... They happen, so. Hotspots happen. Train your feet. Yeah. Train your feet. But got that. Got some anti-monkey butt in the mail. So. Heck yeah, Which uh, used that uh, yesterday and today because we just got done with our city softball tournament. Shout out Nads. <laughs> we didn't three-peat. It was a tragedy. We we took second. So uh, we are, what, four and uh, four and one in uh, championship games now. But uh, ain't, ain't too bad. Ain't too bad. Uh, we've never not placed ever. So we're fucking awesome. So <laughs> go Nats. Exactly. Um, I forgot what I said. Oh, but chafed like a son of a bitch. Dude, you were walking <laughs> around all bow legged all afternoon. Dude, yeah, that that championship game come like the third inning because we'd play. That was like our fifth fifth game of the day or something like yeah, that something stupid like it had been that. a hot hot day too and just freaking started rubbing and oh man by the because we stayed and you know had some beverages had some played some cornhole barbecue cornhole oh yeah but freaking i was by the end of the evening it looked like i just rode bareback for about 24 hours <laughs> <Yeah>. straight <laughs> your boy was struggling <laughs> <laughs> but so I got to put that to use. Uh, I allowed up that night. Uh, you know, made Jordan go uh, murder one of her plants for the sanctity of my uh, butt cheeks. <laughs> um, She's got a huge owl plant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that helped a lot because I was went was out on the boat fishing the next morning. Um, and then when I got back, we'd gotten that uh, package, and so I threw slapped some on, and it's worked good. I threw some on again today, and, and it is called monkey butt. Anti monkey butt. Anti monkey butt. Yep. But it's uh once again got it off of Amazon. And it's just like a uh baby a powder. Bomb? Stuff. Oh, it's a powder. Yeah. It's uh like a baby powder but doesn't have any uh what is it? The shit that they think causes cancer now. Talk. Talc. Yeah. Talcum powder. Yeah, it doesn't have any talc in it, but it's just like a medicated uh medicated powder and it'll be nice. I'm gonna just take like a little Ziploc baggie of it. Dude, put it on your feet. Your uh, feet you dry it up. Yeah. Oh, it's a game changer. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be nice to have because I don't once again like blisters. I don't chafe very often, but I do occasionally, uh, just because I do have some pretty big thighs. Um, so they do kind of exactly they get to rubbing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so it'll be nice to have a little bit of that in there, and then gonna pack in some antibiotics as well, just in case I do something stupid. Uh, I think that's about it that I got in the mail. Okay. Yeah, kind of a lame mail package. But. Didn't order any more gear or anything like that? No, no, no. I'm pretty much solid on that. I think I am going to get a water bottle holster for my pack when I get You're up to the up. Yeah. Are you, you going to analgy or are you going to water, like the plastic water? I'll bottle. take analgy. I need to, ah, I need to, to find the dark my, side. I've, I've, I have like four of them. I just don't know where they're at. I Dude, never use them. I have never seen you use analgy. Because <sighs> I never know where they're at. You're always like, yeah, I'll use a smart water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Oh, shit. Well, you want to get down to business? Yeah, let's hop to it. Scoot to it, man. Hell, yeah. Well, as you guys know, uh, it is now deer season. It is 
it'll be about a week into the season when you guys hear this, but no time like the present to get y'all up to date on all of your Sitka Blacktail deer hunting information. Beep, beep, beep. Do, 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 right now, it's kind of the alpine season. The season will run pretty much from here till the end of the year. So super long season, which is nice. Um, but right now, most of the deer are all concentrated up in the alpine. They're kind of a raspberry red with nice velvet on their horns. And it's a great time to get up in the mountains, do some hiking, find some deer, and kill them. We're going to focus this episode on how to hunt Kodiak specifically. Kodiak Island, Sitka Blacktail Deer. That is a hunt we have both done and a hunt that my family transports for and has been for the last 10 years up here in Alaska. It's kind of our bread and butter. We do 10 weeks a year, back to back to back to back to back to back, taking hunters out, killing tons of awesome black-tailed deer. So we're going to give you all of our tips, tricks, gear, items we think you should bring, how to get there, what to do once you get there what to do to get back, and all that fun stuff in between. Um, so first, uh, let's start with a quick little story from each of us, a little bit about Kodiak and uh, kind of what you can expect. We'll give, uh, I'll let you tell your story, and then I'll give a kind of a, a counter story to that. Uh, you can kind of, we've talked about it before on the podcast. If you're interested, uh, hop back in the history of episodes, and you can click on it. I believe it's, uh, we touched on it on the Truth About Kodiak episode as well as uh, yeah, sure. uh, one of our story episodes as well earlier on. So you can check that out, but we're going to briefly go over two stories about Kodiak and give you kind of a brief overview of what you can expect uh, from these stories, and then we're going to dive into the nitty-gritty details for y'all about that. So without further ado, Mr. Sean Love. Expect the worst weather possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The weather's never right. The weatherman's not there to tell you what to do. And Noah Radio can only tell you so much. It's going to be wet. (laughs) It's going to be wet, and it's going to be foggy. And yeah, there there is nice times. Absolutely. But the nice times aren't the best times to shoot animals. That's just the truth of it. You know, you want the snow to come down and push them down, and it's nice. (laughs) It's nice to have a little snow. And it keeps it cool. Rain will keep it cool. But you're going to expect a lot of wet weather. Um, Be prepared. Bring really good rain gear. You know, we've talked about it a lot before, and I put big emphasis on it. Good rain gear goes a long ways. Just to keep you dry, and you know, especially if it's breathable, heavy, nice rain gear, worth every penny. Good set of gaiters. Um, the sticks are thick. <laughs> the second you hit the beach, find out where you're gonna go just by where the trees are not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. Heck yeah, no. And y'all's trip uh, this last fall, you, I mean, y'all got hit by a little bit of all every weather the except worst, for the worst weather. All the weather except for sunshine. Yeah, um, did not did not see that on that trip, um, but it's that that's Kodiak in a nutshell. It's it can be a real rough rough environment. Y'all saw inches of rainfall, inches of snowfall, uh, high winds, uh, low cloud cover, thick fog, you know, a little bit of everything. Everything you don't want to see on a week long hunting trip, basically. But good rain gear kept me dry. Yep. No, so. and that's. You know, there's no such thing as bad weather. There's just bad gear. Um, right. <laughs> as, Absolutely. And the great words of old Jake Richter. <laughs> um, 
But no, like you can expect everything from a trip like you had to my last personal trip I did, 10 days with Vincent Waddell. We were out and it was early October and we had some of the most beautiful weather you could ask for. Probably, you know, mid 60s, sun the whole time, no breeze, gorgeous weather, no deer. Um, <laughs> it was hot. There you go. It was hot. Exactly. It's, uh, there's a lot to know about Kodiak. We're going to dive into some details uh, here after this little story. But it just, you know, you never know what to expect once you get there. You can, uh, you know, just like anything, you plan for everything and you never know what you're going to get. We had absolutely gorgeous weather and it was kind of a scouting trip to begin with. Our first trip of the season had been canceled. And so I called up uh, my buddy Vince cause I knew who he wasn't working. He just got done with a commercial fishing season and wanted to see if he wanted to come over. We had a cancellation. We've got an opening and we're going to go do uh, kind of a scouting trip, go hit a bunch of our drop off locations, just kind of see, you know, what the deer activity was like, seeing what sign we're seeing. We had a big winter kill off the winter before so we just kind of wanted to get you know the 411 on what was going on on the island so we headed out and we got to walk in we did uh we were out for nine days came back on the 10th and we did just under 80 miles of hiking it was a great trip you know got uh i think we only came back with one deer we had several shot opportunities uh several misses saw a decent amount of deer but it was tough hunting it was early october which can be very hit and miss it's very weather dependent that time of year and if you have nice weather like us you know the deer aren't up and moving a ton it's a tricky kind of in, in between period right now in august you, almost all the deer are going to be up in the alpine up in those high meadows um they're fairly easy to spot there's still a lot of leaf coverage but if you can get above tree line to where you're just in the low willows and open grass meadows they stand out pretty well because they're almost a if you guys were here you'd be able to see this table we're sitting at but it's almost like the wood grain color of this table they're like a raspberry uh like a, a rye whiskey color yeah exactly they're almost like a red bearded color you yeah. know if you've got a friend you know a ginger friend they're almost the color of like that type of you know red and um so they stand out against that green backdrop really well um, they're still adding, you know, antler growth on at the time. They're still in their velvet, but they'll be shedding it really quick. But it's a really cool hunt. Um, warm weather, nice long days. One downside, you got a lot of fucking bugs. You got all the so warm bugs. bugs. You got the biting flies. You got the freaking no seums. Mosquitoes are White still White socks, man. Oh. oh. They get you. The no seums drive me mad. Mm. Just because they're so small and you'll feel them on your skin start to bite into you. I'd, r- I'd much rather deal with mosquitoes All than day. No I gotta at least slap a mosquito and see it. <laughs> yeah. No seum, once they get into you, there's no stopping them. Oh, yeah. No, you're done. Um, but yeah, so you've got that early season, but then that October time period, September. A lot of people generally aren't, you know, blacktail hunting. You still definitely can. The season's still open. It's still a kind of in-between period. Your best bet still to get up high, get up into the alpine. Um, that's where most of the deer are going to be concentrated. October, um, but on that 
September, there's it's moose season. There's elk hunting going on. There's other stuff going on in September. A little more productive things. Exactly. So most people allocate their time to other hunts. Um, but definitely still a possibility to go out deer hunting uh, up here. But I would focus your efforts if you're planning a trip or just trying to maximize your hunting here locally. Uh, I would definitely focus on August or closer to the late October, November time frame. But once you get into October, like my hunt, you're still generally trying to get up high for them. They're starting to change into their winter coat, so they're more of a, you know, a hardwood brown color. Brown. Exactly. They're getting their double white throat patches, which those still stand out pretty well. But you've got, you know, a dark brown coat. You still have a lot of leaf color or coverage on all the alders. It's tough to hunt down low, so you still need to get up high. They're just harder to pick up out of those willow fields and stuff. Um, but it is good hunting. There's still a lot of deer. They're not quite rutting yet. You're still kind of looking for bachelor groups of bucks. Um, but it's you do get a lot of nice weather that time of year, which isn't always the most productive for hunting. But it's nice just to be out and not be soaking wet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you move into, because your hunt was, it was like the third week of October. Yeah, it was like the 20th, something like that. So yeah, that's right about, you know, starting that time frame through about, from like October 20th to November 20th is yeah. usually pretty primo deer hunting. Um, you know, the rut's starting to kick off. You're starting to get colder temps, you know, starting to get some snow cover, starts pushing the deer down low. All the alders start losing their leaves. Hunting gets significantly easier. Um, but you're also playing with shorter days and a lot harsher weather because you, as you saw, you get a system that rolls in and you'd be sitting on the boat for a good, good bit of time you or sitting really in the lodge Yahtzee. or, you know, really worst good. case, sitting in a tent, yeah. <laughs> but Thankful not to be sitting in a tent in the middle of that snowstorm. Oh, yeah. It was dumping. It was a whiteout. Yeah. Total whiteout. It was not. Big old flakes, too. Like Yeah, some of the largest I've ever seen. Bigger than half. About the size of that Luco tape roll. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was massive. You know, two inch by two inch. Out <laughs> fishing, and it's just whiteout. Yeah. No, it can be tough. But I want to kind of start from the very beginning of how to kind of plan one of these trips, hit on the logistics of travel, the different ways to travel, different areas you can hunt, blacktail, and then kind of just grow from there, move into the gear, kind of the hunting techniques, and let the people know. So um, first off, the blacktail deer are found strictly on the archipelagos of Alaska. We do not have any mainland deer in Alaska. So if you're planning a trip, understand that you will be hunting either southeast Alaska or Kodiak Island. Uh, most of the deer are centralized. Most of the deer are located down in the southeast uh, through Sitka, Juneau, uh, Prince of Wales, that area. A large number of deer but they're traditionally smaller than the Kodiak deer. They're the same species, but they're just, you know, different environment, different population density, different feed density, um, different predators. So they they fluctuate a little bit, but they're the same species. If you're not familiar with the blacktail species, they're a subspecies of mule deer, similar antler configuration as a mule deer. You get 
split G2s with what they consider a crab claw up front, which is a G3 that's just kind of angled up forward. Looks like the pinchers of a crab claw. But your G2s run up and then they split off. And then you may or may not have eye guards off your main beams. Um, so very similar to a mule deer, but much smaller in total antler growth. Uh, Boone and Crockett minimum. Uh, so which would... Which just means if you shoot this size animal, it'll get you recorded into the Boone and Crockett uh, trophy book, which is a recording of animal statistics for population control, uh, gene control, and just uh, other animal information. But 100 inches, which in comparison to a mule deer, I believe the Boone and Crockett minimum for a mule deer is 180 inches, so almost double. Um, but they are fairly big-bodied deer. Um Unless you're Sean and shoot tiny ones. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> no, so your average body weight for like a mature buck, you're looking at 150 to 180 pounds generally. They'll get up to 200 pounds. Um, but most of your deer, and this is for Kodiak for the most part, um, that's what I'm most familiar to. to so I'm going to continue to reference Kodiak mainly. But your southeast deer are going to be probably on – Average 20% smaller body weight. Um, but small-ish deer compared to like a large mule deer. But you're looking 150 to 180 pounds on a mature buck. Uh, Doe's significantly smaller. I don't know, same as any other deer species. They're probably a good 30% smaller than the bucks. Um, but yeah, just small antlers. I, you know, with those deer... Trophies just kind of in the eye of the beholder. It's all about the experience. Um, but I always tell our hunters, especially because up here you're allowed uh, for Kodiak up to three tags. Even as a non-resident, you can get three tags over the counter, which is a really cool opportunity. Um, but I always tell them pretty much if it's a three by three, if it's got, you know, eye guards, a G2 and a main beam, or if it's, you know, got a G2 and a G3, definitely shoot it. That's a good mature buck at that point. Um, If it's got, you know, about the biggest they get, like I said, a score of 100 inches, but uh, what you would consider a 4 by 4 or uh, a 4 by 4 with eye guard, so split G2 with a crab claw up front. So if you're counting total points, what would be like a 10-point, a whitetail 10-point, that's about as big as they get. They can, you know, get kickers here and there, um, rare drop tines here and there. Um, but that's about as big as they get. And a big, mature, you know, five, six-year-old deer is going to be a four-by-four four with eye guards. Some of them just don't ever develop eye guards. That's just how it is. But they never really get uh, any bigger than that. They'll get, you know, kickers here and there. But that's, a, that's about it with the, with the size of them. But to travel to these locations, there's a couple different ways. Uh, the southeast, everything's by sea or plane. There's no road system to get there. Same with Kodiak because they're all islands. <laughs> and so it can be a little tricky getting into where you're hunting. Most people opt to fly. Um, most individuals are flying from out of state to begin with. Um, so it's kind of the same process. You know, locking gun case, all your gear, which is generally going to be 50 to 60 pounds, plus your guns uh, or bow. Um, and that's, you know, not going to change much. You're usually not in a Super Cub or anything. Alaska Airlines flies into Kodiak. There are smaller uh, 
beavers and whatnot that fly from Kodiak out to Larson Bay, out to the south end of the island that you can take smaller charters. Same with the southeast, but uh, Alaska Airlines flies into, I believe, Sitka and Juneau. I don't know if they fly anywhere else in southeast. Um, but from there, you can take uh, skiffs or puddle jumpers as well. Um, and once you get to your location, Kodiak specifically, if you land in Kodiak, there's road hunting opportunities. There is different seasons, uh, for the road system hunt in Kodiak opposed to the non-road system hunt. So make sure to look at your local regs before planning any of that. But if you are off the road system, you're most likely hunting with a lodge, uh, like Fox, uh, a tail or using a transporter like Swoboda Charters, uh, Alaska Premier Fishing Adventures, uh, and there's a myriad of other ones, but doing boat-based or a fly-out lodge-based. You can also do a drop camp DIY-style hunt. Less people opt for these just because generally it's going to come out to about the same price for paying for a charter flight to get dropped off. Plus, you have to sleep with the brown bears. And yet it's not warm <laughs> <laughs> or dry. It's not warm or dry. <laughs> so um, that's a factor. Um, so most people opt to use a transporter when they're hunting Kodiak. Um, and from this point forward, we're going to talk specifically about Kodiak. Uh, if you're interested in Southeast, um, our friend over at the Mediocre Alaskan podcast has some quality content on hunting blacktails down in the Southeast. So go give him a listen and he can cover more of that. We're going to continue on with Kodiak and dive deep into that from here on out. Got to wet the whistle with a, a little whiskey. Um, whiskey in the gyro. <laughs> but no, once you get to Kodiak, if you're using a transporter, most of the transporters, if you're doing a boat-based hunt, um, which if you're doing a, a drop camp transport, just taking a float plane out, you probably know the logistics of that. It's what you can carry uh, on your body plus 50 pounds in most cases, which is what most people are going to carry for your traditional backcountry hunt. You know, shelter, food, water system, cook system, clothing, kill kit, weapon. Um, so you're definitely not living lavish. Uh, if you're going to do one of those trips, I do recommend probably bringing a, one of those little portable bear fences just for peace of mind. Yeah, they were good. Cause there's a shit ton of bears on Kodiak. There's a no getting around shit it. Shit ton. Like there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot of fucking bears on Kodiak. You're going to see bears. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't be scared of them. Just know they're there. And know there's be a lot of them. Be okay with them. And know they're all bigger than you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they don't eat people's faces off. Often. <laughs> but it does happen. But it does happen. <laughs> Things happen. People get into car wrecks. People, planes crash. You can't live in that fear. No, exactly. But so if you're going to do one of those hunts, definitely recommend taking a little bear fence. Just give you some peace of mind. Um, there's, you know, plenty of stories out there of people uh, having them through their camp pretty constantly. I mean, my dad and his uh, brother back in their day hunting the road system, they've had them, you know, come press their nose against the tent in the middle of the night and stuff. And, you know, they're going to come say hi. They're usually just, you know, curious, checking you out, but they're, they're going to say hi. You will drop trowel on accident if <laughs> one does press its nose against the tent. Yeah. That is no question. <laughs> just, <laughs> you wake up and there's heavy breathing on your face. Oh, yeah. Spooky business. No fun. No fun. 
But so I definitely recommend using a boat-based transporter. Uh, I'm not biased at all. That's just how my family makes their living. So uh, use a boat-based transport. <laughs> Support your but, local boat-based transporter. <laughs> exactly. No, they're really cool hunting opportunities. Um, they're pretty pretty luxe for what most hunting adventures are. You're not paying the price of doing a fully guided, outfitted type of hunt, but you're getting most of the accommodations that you would if you did. You're getting, you know, hot meals cooked for you every night, a warm bed to sleep in, a shower, a full bathroom, um, and, you know, local knowledge of how to hunt the area and, you know, you're getting taken to good hunting areas. So the logistics of that's pretty much, you know, very similar to, uh, like a fly out trip. You want to keep your stuff minimal. There's no weight restrictions, at least, you know, not with, uh, most of the outfits. Some might have it just for trying to keep the clutter down, but you do have to realize, you know, boats aren't unlimited space. Uh, you do have to kind of be mindful of that. You don't want to pack your entire closet, but it is nice because you can pack more stuff. You can pack two pairs of boots. You can pack, you know, a couple extra layers and stuff. You can rotate stuff more, you know, a whole bundle of socks versus two pairs of socks. And, uh, you're able to shower, you're able to bring soap and shampoo and get, you know, cleaned up every evening. And so you've got that going for you as well as, you know, hot food. You're not eating mountain house. You're not eating freaking granola bars every day. Um, which, I mean, you can attest to that. And old Jimbo, Jimbo cooks it up pretty, Pretty damn good. I've huh? never gained weight hunting <laughs> <laughs> until Jimbo. Exactly, and most you know most outfits are similar with that. You know they don't all have professional chefs like us. Swobodacharters <clears throat> dot com. Um, <laughs> but, <Dang>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, got got to give uh, old Jimbo the respect he deserves. <laughs> Jimbo's badass. I say that. I never went hungry, not even once. <laughs> I was more full than anything. <laughs> Sam sent back uh, a lot of hefty plates back to the kitchen. She could not uh, could not handle the, the portion quantity. sizes. <laughs> That's the benefits of having a big cook. He he knows how to eat good, and he knows. But he throws down. <laughs> no, but so you got all that taken care of for you, and you're doing essentially day hunts. You have the option to spike out, but most outfitter or transports want you back on board or. It, they, I shouldn't say want you back on board. They would prefer you back on board for safety reasons. And there are other clients on board. Generally, when you're doing a trip like this, it's a group that all knows each other, but not in all situations. Um, on a group that all know each other, it's a little more easy to work around that. But if you have other hunters that aren't in your hunting party, you do have to do a little planning to, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page. Everybody's cool with the area you're hunting, all of that. Um, so you have to be mindful of that so most transporters don't want you staying out for extended periods of time but a lot of them don't have an issue with it if you do want to but once uh you go experience kodiak for a while it is pretty nice to kick up your feet in a you know a nice living room and eat a hot meal take a shit in a toilet and shower up and sleep yeah. in a sleep in a bed opposed to the ground so that usually uh usually all the camping gear stays aboard <laughs> yeah. um most of those outfits, uh, like ourselves, have freezers on board, vacuum sealers, uh, to where you can take care of all your uh, meat once you have meat. Be mindful, though, all transports in Alaska are unable to help process any big game meat. Uh, that is strictly left to the guides and outfitters. 
uh, transports can merely transport you to and from the field and help accommodate in that. Uh, so understand that. Don't go into the hunt expecting to shoot three deer and then pawn that off on your transport because even though they would most likely have no issue doing that for you, it is 100% illegal and they will lose their licenses and their livelihood for doing so. So please you know, stay away from trying to pressure them into that because that's just a bad spot to be in. Uh, you know, most of them are really kind guys and they're trying to do the best for you. So just don't put them in that spot. But most of them take care of you with helping provide the equipment to take care of all that, get it all froze up and uh, uh, ready to get shipped back. Because at the end of your trip, you got to deal with the meat because there is wanton waste laws up here in Alaska and you can't just fucking leave it. <laughs> No. <laughs> and you don't want to leave it because that shit's delicious. Some of the best meat you'll ever eat, while game-wise, 100%. Yeah, because we cooked up some backstrap on y'all's trip, right? Some fresh stuff. It's good. Yeah. Um, But most of the time, you're throwing it in a 50-pound wet lock box and taking it as air cargo, which uh, or just uh, an extra bag, which is super convenient. It's cheap, way cheaper than... uh shipping it that's for sure they want like yeah. 250 a freaking pound shipping it when you can just pay alaska airlines 50 bucks for an it extra is bag a check bag yeah, exactly and we check coolers all the time that's how we got ours home yeah and that's a nice thing because up here in alaska it's they're accustomed to it they're used to it yep um we just tape the cooler shut and it's a massive cooler it's almost the size of a deep freeze yeah it was a huge cooler we fit caribou in it already exactly. so no, and that'll we'll touch on that now because uh, you guys did not fly. Y'all took a different method. Touch yeah. on that. We went from Homer to Kodiak, which you can drive from Anchorage to Homer, and it's a beautiful drive. It's four hours, which is not a short drive by any means, not for a lot of people. It's, it's for, for us. Askins. <laughs> <laughs> four hours is no big deal, but it is a beautiful drive, especially during that time of year when you do have a little bit of snow on things, and it's not – Super duper snowy, but there is snow. Normally there is snow in October. You're around Halloween time. Mm-hmm. We do get a good little bit of snow. And it's pretty easy going drive as long as you're not going too fast and being reckless. Drive down to Homer, book your ticket for the ferry, aboard the ferry, and on your way to Kodiak. I believe it's a 12, 12 hour venture. We got on in the afternoon in Homer. Ate dinner, got on, got our state rooms. We got a bunk bed, slept in one bunk because it was very wavy that night. <laughs> we got in some nice weather, but we did not get any delays, which was really nice. Um, you can load a vehicle on there if you have a rental vehicle or something like that. You can load your rental vehicle. Uh, we took a cooler with a dolly. <laughs> just put it on the car deck. We just ratchet strapped a cooler to the dolly, put it on the car deck, and we're like, yep, this is our vehicle. Checked it in like it was a vehicle. <laughs> and then went to our stateroom, went to bed, woke up a couple times doing some tossing and turning and the waves during the middle of the night. But we got there around the same time the next day. So, yep. Which no, is the, really nice. The Alaska Marine Highway uh, is a ferry system that runs all throughout the state, but uh, runs from Homer to Kodiak. And it's a great option, especially if you're in-state. Um, airfare can be expensive at times. And the ferry, what was it ahead? A Probably like 100 bucks, if that. I think that was with a stateroom and everything. Yeah, because usually yeah, I, I th- want to say they're like 80 bucks, and then the stateroom's fairly cheap. And uh, you don't even have to get a stateroom if you don't mm-hmm. want to. I'm, I never do when I go just because I'm a, back in high school. 
high school, we used to take it for sports trips. Yeah. You just find a, a corner on the boat, you know, throw your hat over your eyes and, you know, a sleeping bag and just sleep on the floor. They don't really cause a snafu about that or nothing because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, shoot, 400-foot boat. And there's Massive. generally there's so much maybe 80 people on it at a time. And most of the other people are hunters. Yeah. Which and, is crazy. And so it's a, it's a cool way to go about it. Easy to get, you know, food back and stuff. And it's the best option for if you're going to go over, take a vehicle with like a trailer with some four-wheelers, if you plan on doing yeah. a road system hunt, uh, and you're not from Kodiak and you want to get your toys over there, you can get it over there on the ferry. And they do usually do a pretty good job about scheduling it kind of that like red-eye style. You load at like, you know, 6 p.m. and you'll show up at like 6 a.m. And yep. it's like, oh. You just sleep through the ride, and then you wake up. And, you know they've got a mess hall there on the boat, so you can get yeah. you know lunch, we dinner, ate breakfast that day, and it's it's pretty freaking cheap too. For I mean, it's, it's no way cheaper than any diner I've ever been to in Alaska. Exactly, it's you know no five star food, but it's not bad. It's not slop. And no, we you, paid like eight dollars for hash and eggs and toast and <laughs> coffee and. You could not get that anywhere else. Exactly. So it's a cool little, cool little system. It's paid by uh, your tax dollars up here in Alaska. So, uh, you know, take advantage of it. It's a pretty cool, slick little system. It's awesome. And that's another. They run, uh, you know, Alaska Marine Highway all through the southeast. So if you're pump, you know, jumping island to island location down in the southeast, same same type of system. Their ferries, to my understanding, I know the Tustamina runs to some of the locations, but I know in Prince William Sound they have some smaller ferries that you cannot take vehicles on, but can shuttle individuals, which are still large catamaran style vessels, you know, hundred foot long or so, but they just don't have a car deck. But those are very quick. You can, I mean, zip stupid fast back and forth. Um, so that is, you know, probably the best way of travel for locals. If you've got the extra half day to spare, it's going to be a little cheaper, a little easier for getting coolers, that type of stuff aboard, a little cheaper. But flying is quicker, and flying is probably the best bet if you're coming from out of state because you probably don't have that extra time. Plus, you got to get to a ferry terminal. It's just a couple extra steps. If you're coming from out of state, I would recommend flying. But if you're in state, Look into taking the ferry. It's a you know it's a good option. You see a lot of whales, a lot of porpoises. Yeah, but yeah, if you never if you don't spend a lot of time on the ocean, it's like getting a free cruise. And too. it's exactly like, what it is. <laughs> Especially if it's nice and sunny, it could be fifty degrees outside. But if that's nice and sunny, that Alaskan sun, man, I was out there. My <laughs> my kuyu bottoms all rolled up, <laughs> and my puffy all rolled up, just bacon. <laughs> nice out there on a little. Well, like a salon chair, the little recline chairs. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. You can even set up a tent up in the solarium up on the yeah. top deck, and it's a great way to go. And you stop in Port Lion and Port Moller, not Port Moller, Port Lion and um, Uzinki. Uzinki, yeah. yeah, which are just more villages over there by Kodiak. Yeah, no, so that's definitely an awesome way to go, but uh. Anyways, once you get to Kodiak, like we said, you've got your options of transport, DIY drop camp, or an outfitter. Um, But once you get to wherever you're hunting, however you're doing it, you got to know what gear to pack. And the correct gear is the waterproof kind. Um, (laughs) 100%. Could not agree more. (laughs) No. So most of the time, clothing-wise, you're going to pack just like any other deer hunt. No matter where you're from, basically, it's a... You know, October, November hunt. So you're looking at, you know, full size pants, full length, you know, 
wool bottom base layer or synthetic base layer usually want some type of insulation either i honestly stray away from puffy layers on kodiak uh just because the brush is so thick and it's hard to you're usually working pretty hard while you're moving but it's still a little too chilly for just going in your base layers if you're going anytime past early October. So I like a, a synthetic insulation piece and then a good rain shell. Um, you can also throw a soft shell on as well. Um, you know, soft shells, people, you know, love them or hate them, but luckily on most of these hunts, they're day trips. You can usually spare the little bit of extra weight. So it's nice to have a soft shell. So if it's not raining, you can throw that on there. They're usually a little more abrasion resistant um and they'll still wick a little bit of water you know like the dew and stuff that's going to be on the uh grass and the alder branches and stuff um but you can bring a puffy um sometimes i bring mine sometimes i don't i just usually find if i am bringing a puffy i'm not breaking it out until i get to where i'm going to be glassing um pants i usually wear a thicker kind of like for the kuyu system i wear their like pro pant or their attack pant at least the axis hybrid are a pretty good choice um they're a little thicker on some of those big poles if you're trying to get into the alpine they might be a little little heavy um but those pro pants are pretty slick for that um and then i always wear a pair of gaiters in general now uh but kodiak you definitely want them the grass is tall the alders are thick. The brush is thick. Bush You're, clubs, pokey. Yeah, exactly. Bush club, devil's club. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a good pair of gaiters. And I would personally bring a pair of mountaineer style, style boots. Bring a stiffer boot, at least a three and a half rating. Um, I last time wore my Danner pronghorns, which are not a stiff boot. And it just... Even if you're not traveling very far, if you got a good snow uh, pack already going, you're still climbing and everything's steep on Cody. It goes from sea level straight up. Um, I mean, when you all got up into the Thunderdome, uh, my favorite hunting location there uh, on Uganic Island, it's a 1800 foot pole right out of the gate. And it's, I mean, less than a mile it's in steep. distance. It's so steep. It, I was huffing. Yeah. And it's nice to have a stiff boot, something that you can really anchor in there and just get after yep. it. Um, you're not going to be covering huge distances. I mean, if you're doing 10 miles, you're doing something wrong. Uh, trust me, I've done 10 miles, and I did it wrong. Um, I walked past all the deer, for sure. <laughs> Went for a nice hike, though. <laughs> exactly. So you don't really have to worry about, you know, Com something that's going to be hyper-comfortable or like a trail-running shoe or something. You're just not going to not going to enjoy that there's too much brush you're gonna get too much shit in your shoes it's too much stuff going on you want a high you know rand or not rand high uh what is it high shaft there we go i think that's that portion of the boot the tall part <laughs> but what if the fuck that's the ankle bits the part your laces touch um <laughs> we're educated here <laughs> This program is only the finest of educational <laughs> information. Um, but no, you want a higher boot, a taller boot. Definitely something that's at least been treated. <sighs> Probably a synthetic boot just because it is so wet. It will dry out faster. Yep. Um, 
I like leather boots, but leather boots on Kodiak weigh about 12 pounds. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, definitely good, good rain gear. If you have nice breathable rain gear, like the high quality, uh, heavy duty Kuyu stuff or the Sitka stuff, Stone Glacier has a pretty good set. Those are hard to beat. Um, but if you don't, if you have just kind of like a frog tog style or cheaper rain gear, it's not a bad idea to look into like a pair of Grundens or Heli Hansen, some like heavy rubberized stuff. Cause the odds are that you're going to have at least one day where it's freaking piss and rain. Yep. And those are the days you want to stay in the tent or stay on the boat, stay in the cabin. Uh, but it's tough to just, you know, chew up a day of hunting. If you can be out there, the deer are still going to be moving generally, um, t- you know, certain parts of the day, at least for, you know, segments of the day. And, you know, it just sucks having to chew up a day due to weather. So if you can be out there and deal with it and not be miserable and not just soak out all your clothes to where the rest of your trip is miserable, it's worth it to be out there, and a good pair of rubberized rain gear will get you there. You will sweat like a stuck pig, um, so you definitely want to moderate your heat, your uh, pace when you're hiking and stuff. But it's you know it gets the job done. Commercial fishermen have been using it for freaking long time. Yep, millennia. <laughs> I rocked it last time I was there. Yep, and worked good. I stayed dry, drier than anyone else there. Yep, exactly. So, it, I mean, it, it's got a place. Uh, a lot of people hate on it because it is super bulky, super heavy. But you're super not super hot. <laughs> yeah, but you're not backpacking in way deep. You know, you can deal with the extra bit of weight and stuff. Mm. Uh, so it's a good option. Um, like we said, most of the time you're not going to be camping. Uh, if you are, get a tent. Use a tent. Burn your teepee. Do not take your TV. You want something with a floor because the shit is wet. Burn your TV. <laughs> it's like you just, you're not going to find a piece of dry ground. Even if it's sunny out, it's not going to be dry. It's just Alaska's just not TP territory. I don't think anywhere in Alaska, really. Between Unless the, you're like in the mountains. But even then. Between the bugs and the wet, it's just tough. Yeah, it's just not TP territory. Or the footprint. It's exactly. I yeah. I like the idea. I like being I like the idea of having a stove. It's just not I don't know. I don't think it's how the floor is nice. <laughs> yeah. How the floor is dry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so definitely I would go with a tent. I'd go with a double wall tent. If you Dude, don't know what yeah. that means, that means it's basically a mesh tent with a rain fly on top of it, and it helps control the moisture. So the condensation that normally builds up, and if you have a single wall tent, it's going to be raining on the inside of your tent, and that doesn't fucking do any good if you're trying to stay dry. <laughs> it makes you take your footprint for your tent. Yeah. <laughs> because it will poke all the way through all the bits of your tent. <laughs> Exactly. So take a double wall tent. It'll help uh, keep everything dry. It's still going to be moist. You're still going to have condensation buildup, uh, but it'll help mitigate that getting on all your shit. Uh, like you said, bring a fo- uh, footprint because it'll help exactly keep the devil's club or the alders or the willows from poking through the bottom of the bathtub of your tent because that also sucks. <laughs> and it happens all the time. <laughs> yep. um, but, yeah, so if you're camping, definitely bring a – tent no teepees no tarps uh, i mean a tarp and bivy you could in theory uh but uh i'd bring a tent 
I would always bring a tent. Your shit's gonna be wet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if there's one thing I tell, can tell you, just bring a tent. <laughs> Ground cloth for sure. <laughs> yeah. Because um, your shit's gonna be wet. And to go with that, uh, bring a synthetic bag. I don't care if your down is waterproof. Uh, bring a synthetic bag. Yep. Because uh, I have a down treated bag, and I'm excited to test it out. But I wouldn't even play with the idea of taking it to Kodiak just because every day it's there's going to be moisture around. And even though they say it's, you know, quick drying or it holds its loft, that's not a gamble I want to, you know, I don't want to bet on that. It's I don't, not a guarantee. Exactly. I'd rather guarantee that I can at least survive with a synthetic bag. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be bulkier. It's not going to pack down as well, but it's going to keep me alive if I need it to. And it's just going to be wet. So... Synthetic bag, tent. Um, that's about it for camping wise that I would, you know, harp on. Um, make sure you bring a flamethrower. I don't know. For fire starter, you need something that's going to take something because <laughs> it's going to be hard to burn something. It's going to be hard yeah. to get a fire going on the island. Uh, you can definitely make it happen. Um, I didn't. You know, they people love that pyro putty. It's supposed to burn for like 10 minutes. Uh, I think you'd have to use a whole can of that to maybe get uh, your kindling to catch. Yeah. And then that would go out before your uh, wood is dry. You'll bring so. an alcohol stove or like some of those solid fuel tablets or something. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know how you would begin with that, to be honest. Uh, I usually don't even uh, mess with it. I know it can be done. Some of our hunters have done it. Um but you can you can find dry dry wood, dry grass. They're it's far and far and few between. But um, it'd be a straight up survival situation. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you'd be fucking bear grill. Don't bet on uh, having a fire for anything. If you're cooking, if you're purifying water, have a jet boil or a MSR reactor, uh, some type of stove system, uh, cup system uh, for that because. Story of this podcast is it's fucking wet. It's fucking wet. <laughs> and Alaska's fucking wet. And I uh, hate to break it to you, that's the same in the southeast, uh, if not worse. Worse. So. <laughs> <laughs> worse. That's why I don't live down there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it dries out some sometimes here. <laughs> exactly. Um, shit. So we've covered uh, shelter. Uh, Food-wise, your normal backpacking food. Um, mm. you know, mountain house, mountain house, mountain house homestyle scramble. <laughs> oh, dude, you got to get the peak chicken linguine. I think it is. Oh, yes, dude, the sweet pulled pork. Yeah, that's pretty good too. It's banging. I picked up a, um, it's like a Thai curry by peak mm-hmm. and I'm stoked to eat it. Oh yeah. But yeah, normal backpacking foods, um, you know, bring whatever you enjoy. For when it comes to water, uh, there's uh, it's wet, so there's a lot of water, which that's a plus side. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much hiked up a creek. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was in Kodiak. We were like, "Well, where's the place with no trees?" There's a creek. <laughs> there's no trees in the creek. We hiked up the creek, and it was the best way we got up the hill. I'm gonna be entirely honest. Till it got really deep up on top, we stepped off, and yeah, it was yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so it's real easy to filter water. I use a gravity bag and fill it up. You can fill those up real easy with any type of trickle. Um, so your water's not a real hard thing to come by, and it's pretty clean straight out of the spigot. Um, I always choose to filter because nobody wants beaver fever. 
ever um because nothing worse than the shits and nothing worse than the shits in the woods <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'll be losing both your socks half your underwear <laughs> both sleeves of your shirt <laughs> it's a bad day oh never wipe with doubles color again <laughs> yeah right was that poison oak <laughs> fuck <laughs> just stinging nettle could you imagine <laughs> the sting to the gooch would be unreal monkey butt don't fix that <laughs> Oh. Uh, but yeah, so water is not really any big deal. So no, not you're, an issue. I mean, gear wise, you're pretty much bringing what you need uh, for any other backpack hunting trip, any hunting trip in general. Um, you know, maybe lean towards synthetics over Definitely. wool and down, uh, just because it dries quicker. Um, maybe bring a you know, honestly, a second pair of insoles, boot insoles. Because uh, if your boots get drenched, you can switch those out, and it'll Maybe help a, a little bit. Boots, yeah, you know, especially if you're going on a transport, I always recommend that. Most transports all have boot dryers on board, but you know, boot dryers can't dry out a full leather grain grain, ugh, grain boot overnight. So it's nice to take a different pair, let those sit for two days, and rotate boots. Um, you know, same maybe with your outer jacket or something. Have something hang it up, let it dry, run a different one, swap it out. Um, for packing out one, a guy can carry a full deer himself pretty. I mean, I won't say easily, uh, cause Kodiak is a very thick, thick place to hunt. Thick nasty. Um, but it's completely doable. Um, I usually recommend halving it with a hunting buddy just cause it makes the pack out super simple. Um, but you can definitely do it with one guy. Um, on the topic of it being nasty though, the way you want to try and hunt Kodiak, um, it's all time of the year specific, like most species, early season to mid-season, you're getting up high. You're doing those 1,500-foot, 2,000-foot pulls, getting up into the alpine, hunting all day, coming down. Uh, later in the season, the deer are going to slowly move down towards the beach. But regardless, you're going to have to cover some country. And the name of the game for Kodiak is avoiding the alders. Because there's going to be a fucking lot of them. <laughs> and uh, the way you tell if it's an alder or not is you look at the mountain and go, oh, the brown, stay away from the brown. Go <laughs> to the yellow. Yellow is grass. Yellow is good. <laughs> exactly. Brown is bad because the brown is dumb thick. <laughs> you can't see through it. Uh, you don't know where you're going. It hurts when it hits you in the face. And the uh, bears live in there. The biz- <laughs> yes, the bears do live in there. <laughs> we were hiking through a patch of grass that was taller than us. I mean, you couldn't see over it. Not even kind of. And there was this tiny little tunnel all the way through it. looked like it was a deer trail. And it opened up to this big, wider trail that was coming out of the alders. And we're like, this isn't deer. (laughs) This is a huge trail. Mountain of bear shit right next to it. We're like, well, we're not going in the alders. Let's continue on down the tiny trail. (laughs) No, exactly. And it's, I mean, honestly, though, that's one of the best ways to travel in Kodiak is hop on a bear trail and follow bear trail just because it looks like a Volkswagen Beetle drove through that some bitch. Yeah, the Corps of Engineers (laughs) came through and made a new trail right behind this bear. Yep. No, so it's a good way to travel, but, um, fuck, I forgot what I said. Oh, yeah. So you just got to try and stay out of the alders. You're, it's never going to be the straightest route, but it's always going to be your quickest route because when you're fighting through the alders, it's just, it's tough. It's frustrating. Uh, more than anything, you're trying to stay mentally 
in that fight on Kodiak because you're not covering a lot of country. You're, you know, it'll be, it's fairly steep, but it's nothing crazy. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of deer. So you should be able to be successful. But the biggest thing that's going to get in your way is wanting to shoot yourself before you get to your hunting spot yeah. because you're <laughs> fighting the alders. Um, crawling underneath them, having your gun hang up. Crawling over them, having your gun hang up. <laughs> Getting slapped in the face while crawling over some shit. <laughs> Falling down face first into the mud. It, it kind of sucks. <laughs> it kind of sucks. Exactly. Which, on the bright side, the alders are usually only about 800 feet in elevation and down so you just gotta fucking enjoy the the longest (laughs) longest 800 feet of your life when it comes to hiking there oh yeah um but once you get above it it opens up pretty pretty good oh yeah um and i recommend to all hunters early season get up high be able to glass you're gonna find your thickest concentrations of deer up in the alpine bowls um you know they've got good Shelter up there. That's where their food sources are. Um, and they've got their, they're most protected there. They can get up there in a big steep bowl where they can only, you know, predators can come from one angle and they can see for forever up there. Uh, can make stalking the deer a little difficult, but it's definitely not impossible. There's tons of micro topography. You mm-hmm. know, if you play the wind, play the topography and just, you know, work that you're in good shape these deer get very little pressure there are a lot of transports that hunt you know all of kodiak island but even then i mean a lot of these deer have never seen humans before um you know the does are very famous for you know they'll catch your wind or see you excuse me um and a lot of times they'll come check you out they'll like come to you um they're just extremely curious animals and it makes, you know, gives you a little bit of a buffer zone for making stocks and stuff. That being said, that they're not just going to fucking sit there all day long. A old wise deer is still an old wise deer. It's going to freaking, you'll see that white tail pop up and he'll be gone. You know, <laughs> that happened many times. Exactly. So, you know, it's no gimme by any means, but you're, you know, you do get a lot more, uh, leeway than say an old, you know, sage mule deer that's been pushed around for six years and sees a thousand people in a season. Um, you had a tiny Bambi come within feet of us. I was like, ah, ah. how do you make that doe call? It's like, <clears throat> give me your best doe call. Like uh, the distress doe call. It's easier with a squeaker, but uh, like, ah, hey, that's ah, a pretty good one. Ah. <laughs> now I don't even want to try. Yours was actually pretty good. But. Oh fuck! <laughs> I need hold on. Let me let me wet the whistle a little, a little more whiskey. That's that's good. Most people use like a rubber band, like or like a reed, mm-hmm. like a like a piece of grass. Reed. There's a guy up in the valley that makes custom ones. I had uh, one of my hunters gave me one, but I think uh, one of the other hunters because they all had one, and I just had mine sitting up on the coffee table. And I think he thought it was his and walked. Out. Yeah, I was like, damn. But it was free, so it was all good. But yeah, but yeah just a good little. Oh, I'm trying to squeak between my fingers. It's not going to work. I'm not good at that. Uh, don't judge me. Sean's is decent. So listen to him. I'm retarded. <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself, man. Uh, no, no self worth. <laughs> 
Oh, God. But it was just screaming its little head off, and it came right up to us. We're like, we're not your mom. (laughs) I'm not going to shoot you. You could have reached out and petted him. I'm like, we're not going to shoot you. I'm sorry. Please leave us alone. You're going to call a bear to us. (laughs) Like, where's your dad? No, but yeah, so it's it's a cool opportunity because you do get a lot of leeway with them. You can fuck up stocks and, uh, you know, get an, either another stock or sometimes even though you fuck it up, uh, the deer doesn't think you fucked it up. Uh, open mouth look at you. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that was like the first stock uh, I ever made on a blacktail was ridiculous. Uh, it was about 400 yards away, and at the time I was not comfortable shooting that distance with my seven pound trigger on my 338 wind mag off of a uh, unsupported rest. So I was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna reasonable." Exactly. You know, I thought so. So I'm gonna close the ground, and he's you know looking at me, and they're just sitting there frozen for like 20 minutes. I was like, "I bet I can move in on this deer." You know, he. He's not acting on edge or anything. He can tell we're up here, but he doesn't. I I was like, he has no clue what we are. So I'm trying to, like, work my way down this face. Ends up being way steeper than it is. And I'm kind of, like, you know, army crawling down. And then all of a sudden I kind of, like, start to slide a little bit. I do, like, a full 360, like, just kind of slowly, like, control falling down the mountain. I was like, well... If he's going to spook, he's going to spook. I might as well fucking try this. (laughs) This is where I die. So I'm kind of like, you know, stomach on the ground, but basically cartwheeling, just sliding down the mountain, like a little slow motion little uh, ninja star down the mountain. (laughs) Wow. Exactly. So I was like, I'll just... I'll keep doing this, dear. Spreading. We like starfish on the side of this hill, just sliding down like a fucking carnival ride. Exactly. I was like, well, we're going to go with it. Do that for about 25 yards and, you know, refine the deer. They're just still hanging out. And I've raged them on the like, But if you do that with any other animal, they are four Gonzo. counties away. Gonzo. Like, not a fucking chance. <laughs> but uh, ended up blowing it, uh, getting blown out by a different deer that was closer that i didn't see but um <laughs> but regardless that's just they give you they give you a lot of chances um but getting up tall getting up high and then once that snowpack comes down don't be afraid to still hunt or track these deer there's a lot like there's a thick density of them and a lot of people getting the mistake of they want to go five miles back they want to cover ground they want to get, get deep and you'll walk by tons of animals. You won't even realize it. And my biggest kind of trick and tip I give all of our hunters that come on the boat is walk almost, I compare it to upland hunting. Like if you've ever hunted pheasants or quail, you're pushing a field and then stop every like 40, 50 yards and just hold still and kind of listen and just look behind you slowly, look around you. And like birds, they'll kind of get uneasy or they'll hear the, you know, whatever noise it is, stop, and they get comfortable and they'll start moving. And a lot of times you'll catch deer cutting your track behind you. You know, you'll walk up a game trail or whatever. You'll stop and turn around, and then you'll catch a deer kind of pop out and try and, you know, cut your cut your track and 
cut that trail you're just on and stuff. And a lot of our hunters will take deer from, you know, just kind of, it's, and it's not even traditional still hunting. It's not like, you know, just slowly working through old growth and stopping every 10 steps and glassing. You're just kind of like slowly working your way to whatever bench you want to glass from or whatever meadow you want to overlook, but stopping, you know, periodically and just sitting for a couple minutes and then, you know, glass around you, see whatever you can see, but look behind you, watch the trail, watch the motion. And a lot of times you'll catch deer popping out. And some of our biggest deer have been, you know, taken that way because they'll just stop. And, you know, that old buck heard you coming and he hunkers down and then he can't hear you anymore and can't smell you, tries to make his getaway. And then you catch him 30 yards behind you, poof, dump him right there. No nice easy stock. Freaking yeah. <laughs> you can find old growth to walk around and kind of you know, still hunt. There's great opportunity in it, especially in later in the year when the snow's pushed them down in there and mm-hmm. that's we their had best cover. Our best trip from two years ago, we had a group from Maine that were used to hunting the forests of Maine for moose and tracking moose. And we got a fresh layer of snow, and they were out there like bloodhounds, nose to the ground, following tracks. And they killed two Boone and Crockett bucks and a couple other studs. And they tracked every single one of those deer. And, you know, because they don't cover a ton of ground. they You know, they'll cover some distance in a day, but nothing that you can't cover. Mm-hmm. And if you find a big old track, it's like, oh, let me just follow this around, see where it goes, and just kind of still hunt that track. And sure shit, they freaking put that to work. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, and, you know, it goes for that in Kodiak. But um, personally, I like to I'm, – I'm dumb. I like to work too hard. I like to get too high, travel too far. Um, but I like That's to get nice. high and glass. Uh, plus, you see a lot of bears that way. I like seeing bears. They're cool. Uh, I see a shit ton of bears. <laughs> How many did y'all see on y'all's trip? I don't remember. Just on the one day that we got up to the Thunderdome, we saw four, four bears. <laughs> yeah, they were not small. <laughs> <laughs> the one down by the beach was not a small bear. Yeah. We were like, holy shit, we got to walk by that thing. It <laughs> <laughs> started walking to our right-hand side, and we're like, all right, this is our time. Break left. <laughs> <laughs> we finally made it down, but... Yeah, there's we saw four really good sized bears, and that's not including any of the ones we saw on the beach and things like that. No, but no. So I mean, ask around, do some research. Whenever you're planning your trip, figure out what time of the year you're going to be there, because that's going to dictate a lot of how you're going to hunt. The earlier in the season, the higher you're going to go. The later in the season the more you're going to want to sit and call. Um, these deer are very receptive to calling. Uh, you know, you can rattle antlers a bit, but what's most uh, efficient is that fawn and distress call because the does come and check it out, and when those bucks are rutting, they are on the tail of these does. They are running them around, and you can, I mean, it's an extremely effective tactic to just sit in a little opening and call and call and call. Um, that's later in the season. And just like anything, there's pros and cons to all of them. Early season, long days, a lot of hiking. Later in the season, shitty weather, short days, you got the rut. Um, you know, later in the season, I think the deer are a lot prettier. Um, some people really like that raspberry colored hide. 
I think it looks a little mangy, personally. Like, it's not like they're, like, <laughs> spotty. a thick winter coat they're putting on. Them. Exactly. And they just, like, I don't know, goofy. And most animals, I think, in the velvet are gorgeous. These deer, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just biased. We hunt them in the fall. Biased as hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm super biased on this. I think they're kind of fucking ugly in August. <laughs> oh. Damn. <laughs> um. But super pretty in the fall, um, and man, it's hard to beat the, that meat. Um, but just figure out what time you want to do it. If me personally, if I was picking a hunt, I'm doing the last week of August or last week of October, first week of November. That's when I'm planning a hunt. That or I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it early August, getting high up in the Alpine. Um, Got to be willing to work though. Yep, and. Uh, but that's that's the way I do it. Gun wise, you can pack just about anything you want. Um, I mean, they're not a heavy, heavy bodied animal. That being said, they are much tougher than you think they'd be. Um, I mean, they will. I've seen them take multiple rounds of a three hundred wind mag and fucking soak them up like a moose. And I've also seen them killed with a two twenty three and drop like a sack of rocks. Like uh, that's just. They're, you know, they're an animal. They're tough. They're much tougher than humans. But, you know, you don't have to carry a big thirty caliber or anything like that if you don't want, especially down in the southeast. You don't have to worry about bears as much. Uh, there still definitely are bears, but they're not the big coastal brownies of Kodiak. Um, me personally, as I mentioned earlier, I shot my first blacktail with a three thirty eight Win Mag, which is definitely overkill for a deer but uh just about right for a big coastal brown bear and that's what i was carrying it, it for was perfectly dead <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh you can't kill nothing too dead so it doesn't hurt to have anything a little bigger um i i'll be bringing in a 300 wind mag from here on forward just because that's the newest rifle i've built and i really like it it's a capable round you took your six five mm-hmm. creedmoor perfectly fine rifle don't overthink the cartridge when you're on Kodiak. Most of the time, you're going to be carrying some bear spray or pistol anyway, especially if you're from out of state. If you're from out of state, you're going to want that peace of mind. Everybody does. No. That's just, you know, those bears, they don't really care about you. They've got other food sources, but they are around. You do have to respect them. Um, I'm a big fan of I'm going to shoot it with whatever's in my hand. I don't want to grab something else. Uh, and that's why I carry a large thirty caliber, but you don't. Bring whatever you're most comfortable shooting, whatever your best, you know, rifle is, whether that's a shoot them with three rounds of 6.5. Exactly. (laughs) Empty that, then pull the 10 millimeter, empty that, and then spray it in the face with some bear spray if you have to. (laughs) But hoping they just don't like me. Yeah. I've got to, I don't smell good. (laughs) Ugly musk. (laughs) You don't got enough meat on your bones, boy. But I would definitely recommend bringing a rifle, though, if you are doing this hunt. Um, you can't archery hunt these deer. It's freaking hard. Um, it is not a conducive environment to stock in close on these animals. They are, uh, like I said, not very skittish. They are very forgiving to make a stock on, but this brush is hard to get in close on. Um I don't believe we've had a successful bow hunter uh, on the boat yet. Most of our hunters that do bring a bow have a, either their hunting partner has a rifle or they bring a rifle as well. And they usually opt to pull the, pull the trigger. Uh, 
before they get in bow range. Um, it's because they just spent half the morning busting ass to get up the fucking hill. Exactly. And it's just, it's tough. If you're only hunting five, seven days, you know, you've got three, two, three tags in your pocket. You're not going to fill them if you're using a bow. That's just the end of the, you know, if you're going to bring a bow, you got to commit to it and you got to be a good archer. You got to be, you know, and good outdoorsman to be able to make a really good stock it's a tough bow hunt but it's completely doable um and you will get a lot of stock opportunities because there are a ton of deer but it's it's difficult i recommend bringing a rifle um you know it's a tiger rich environment it's a great hunt to either start or end your season with get some trigger time uh get some time to just you know get used to killing things if you haven't killed a lot of animals it's a fairly economic hunt um, you know, most of the transports you're going to be paying between twenty five to four thousand dollars a head for a full week, meals included. All that your tags are, I believe they might. I think they went up to three hundred dollars a tag now for non residents. Uh, they were one hundred fifty. They might still be one hundred fifty, but I believe they doubled them to three hundred a tag. But you can get up to three tags over the counter, um, and then your hunting license, which a non resident hunting license isn't. Super crazy. Uh, I think it's like 200 bucks, maybe no 150. Um, never bought one, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's not super outrageous, you know. You throw airfare, all that stuff in, it adds up. But compared to, I mean, a lot of just elk tags in the lower 48, you're paying 1500 bucks for, yeah. uh, you know, 700 bucks to a thousand bucks, and you know, you can that's half your trip up here if you're going with uh you know a cheaper outfit and they take care of a lot of stuff it's a cool experience most of those trips you get fishing included all kinds of stuff so it's a cool opportunity um you just kind of got to do your research it's you know there's a lot of stuff to look into but you don't have to overthink it you just want some good you know rain ready gear some good rain gear some good synthetic layers a good synthetic sleeping bag and good tent if you're camping um outside of that just have good boots be comfortable with your equipment and be ready to just stay mentally tough because that's the only thing that's gonna beat you in this you know in this type of hunt is being you know too scared of the bears to get after it or get too frustrated because of the hiking's hard or it's hard to see your first deer because spotting these deer can be tough if you don't you know you have to once you see one you'll see all of them but until you see that first one you have no clue what you're looking for it's hard to pick them out of the alders you know it's hard to catch them moving from you know draw to draw you know it can be tricky figuring out where to find them but once you've find your first couple understand their patterns realize all right they're you know if it's blowing hard they're just on the leeward side of the hills tucked up either in the alders or on the sunny you know sunny face trying to get a little bit of warmth before the sun goes down it's like all right they're feeding in these willow uh uh, fields and stuff like you're just once you pick up on their tendencies they're really easy uh animal to figure out it just takes a little bit but um, you just got to stay mentally tough on those on those hunts. That's you know that's that's your biggest struggle with all those. But that's about a that's Kodiak deer. I that's, couldn't agree more with all that. 
that's that's what it is and uh i hope uh anybody that's interested in uh doing one of those hunts look into it there's tons of great outfits that become popular uh over the last couple years there's tons of uh youtube content out uh around kodiak hunting them different uh you know hunting influencers doing stuff the hush crew the born and raised crew all kinds of people i've gotten on the kind of the kodiak deer bandwagon uh so go check those out they've got plenty of information out there and uh we'll definitely do uh more episodes in the future on them uh i do apologize for kind of just skimming through on the top of it it's personally not on the top of my brain right now because uh, i'm about to be in a super cub going after sheep real soon uh but definitely wanted to cover this for you guys get some content out before i leave and since it is the first big game season in all of the west i believe um and the first one here in alaska we had to cover it you know we had to we had to get to it but uh we may get after this year we'll see yeah. We'll see if we get after it and take the four wheeler over to Kodiak and mop yeah. up or we could there. I'm thinking I'm thinking about trying to do a Prince William sound trip because I've never gone down there and Vince might have his boat down there. Or we can just get a transport or rent a skiff and go island hop down there. Yeah. Or see if we can get Will. Get Will to take the Darby. Yeah. That would be cool. I was talking Throw to down him today. for fill throw down for fuel and yeah. freaking Get after it. Because come October, what is it, October, oh, I don't know the date, I think it's like October 15th or 13th, Rig is no longer just bucks only, it is. Opens up to buck and doe. Buck and doe, five of them. Yep, just go fill the freezer. Yep. Go whack a bunch of them. That's what it's all about. No, that'd be a good time, especially if we could, if we could get Sam's moose early, because that hunt starts like the 20th, if we could get that done before October's over. Go early November before the weather gets real shitty, before the days get real short, and just go whack a bunch of deer. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good time. That's a party, man. No. It's a processing party. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and we're going to have our hands full if we've got freaking 15 deer and a fucking moose to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have caribou coming back. Hopefully, we'll each get at least one caribou, bring it back, then. Her moose, if we don't hunt, I want to hunt bull moose season still yeah. because I like hunting. Oh, yeah. And you'll, I mean, you better. You've got time, man. Yeah. You better. I'm not going to be here. You got to hunt it for me. Yeah. Brother. It's going to be a solo hunt unless <laughs> yeah. I find somebody else to go with. Right. What do you mean? You got Jordan. She's super helpful. I'll take Jordan. <laughs> uh, I'll take Sam. <laughs> oh, but man. someone who's willing to take the same week off work that I am. Right. Yeah. We'll just go. You have and to do put it. the bug in uh, Vince's ear. He'll go with you. Yeah. He'll get after it. We'll just slow roll it, man. Hunt some moose. I'm all about it. Like, yeah. He could have the moose. Yeah. I, I just like hunting. I'll go hunt with him. <laughs> right. Oh, no. We got a big, busy fall. I'm fucking so stoked, dude. Yeah, there's lots of opportunity out there. Just got to be willing to go get it. Oh, yeah. That's what it's all about. Put it, put it in the forefront of your mind. Put it in the forefront of your schedule and fucking get after it because that's all you can do. Uh, how many? So for that ADAC trip, you just got, uh, is it one bull? Because I know once January 1st, it's unlimited cows. That's the hunt we did. Is is it one or two bulls for the fall hunt? I only plan on shooting one. Yeah. Because it won't be cheap to get back. Yeah. Because I think, <laughs> I want to say it's two bulls, but it might only be one. I'm not sure. But regardless, y'all be in a good spot, especially if you got six people going out there. If y'all can tag six bulls, you're going to have. Yeah, I was planning on shooting just one. Yeah. Just for 
opportunity for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Now the real question, are you just going to freaking whack and stack the first first thing you got an opportunity to, or are you going to kind of play it by ear, see what – because I know last year on Sam's hunt, it was, you know, they struggled yeah, was locating, exactly, locating the animals. The herds weren't on that side of the island for a while. Um, but, I mean, if they're over there, there's a good chance you've got, you know, you could be picky. Are you just looking for, like, a representative animal, or are you just going to try and freaking whack the first thing that gets in front of the crosshairs? Well, or? there's going to be a, probably a small herd, and I'm going to pick the biggest of the small herds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fair. Again, that one. <laughs> so, um, I never pass something you wouldn't shoot on your last day. That's fair. And that'll be your first caribou hunt. That'll be yeah. your first caribou bull, so... No, I think I think that's a good mentality. Just go out there, take the experience for what it is, take whatever comes your way, and especially if y'all've got a bunch of tags. I mean, it never hurts to freaking just get some meat, you know, get some camp meat going. I, I love and hiking freaking, and hunting. Yep. I that's what I'm going out there to do. I ain't going out there to shoot the biggest animal. I ain't going out there to shoot antlers. I'm going out there to shoot it, eat it, and keep on hiking and having fun. Hell yeah. That's what it's all about, man. Dude, that's going to be sick. So let's see. So you've got caribou. So let's see. The best case, I'm, I'm going to go out and jinx everything right now. Best case scenario. Yep, this is, this you, is it. Exactly. <laughs> this is where my hunting season just goes to shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you and Sam could both whack a caribou. Roll into moose season. you got bull moose season. I could shoot a bull. Yep. She could either shoot a bull or a cow. Yep. Or or No, one or no, the other. One or the other. So. Yep. So, um, you know, ideally, you take a bull, she could take her cow, yep. and then roll that into deer season, whack a deer or two. <sighs> That's a lot of meat. And That's then cool. if we did winter caribou, we could do winter caribou up in my steez. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Steez highway. Hell yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of thought. There's a lot of opportunity out there. You just have to be willing to go out there and go get it. Yep. No. So you have to be willing to make it happen. You can get on the ferry, go to Kodiak, get up in the hills, and cost you nothing but gas money and a ferry ticket. Yep. No, if you're local, especially if you've just moved up here, it's so intimidating. If you don't know how to do it, whatnot, I get it. Moose hunting is intimidating. All of it. I mean, because it's big country up here. There's no freaking, you can't go out to the back 40 and hang a tree stand and a corn feeder and whack a whitetail. You know, those days are Come and gone for us. <laughs> so you have to get out and get after it. Um, and if you are somebody that's up here, you're new to Alaska and you got questions, like a lot of our listeners, write in. We appreciate it. You know, we're still, you know, going through our own journey of learning everything and going through it. We're no experts by any means, but this is what we live for. We lo- live for the outdoors. We live to hunt and fish, and uh, we'll do whatever we can to help anybody else with that. And uh, So don't be afraid to ask questions because we will cover it. We will, uh, you know, do our best to either point you in the right direction of some Someone who can answer that for you or, you know, we'll give you our honest opinions, uh, do our own research on it and answer everything we can because uh, it is intimidating. I mean, moved up here. We've been transporting hunters for 10 years and it's still something that's like, shit, you got I mean, it's just, you know, it's no matter how much knowledge you have, it's still a freaking task every time you go out and, you know, learning how to be a successful moose hunter is difficult. There's a lot of nuance to it. You know, I'm about to take a freaking crash course on sheep hunting here in five days. Like it's, 
you got to The only way you can learn is by getting out there and fucking doing it. That's so the hardest part, <laughs> having the confidence to go fuck something up. Yeah, exactly. And be, you know, be ready to fail because you're going to fail nine times out of ten. But finding that, you know, the enjoyment out of failing and figuring out how to fail well, you know, that's all you can ask. Working for. to fail. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but when, once it clicks, once you figure it out, once you get that first successful hunt or harvest, man, there ain't no better feeling. Things feel good. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. But shit. I just, man, I don't even know what to talk about. Cause I, I just, my mind just buzzing about sheep right now. <laughs> I'm just like. <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed by my bag of shit to my left right now. Mine would be buzzing about goats if we drew a fucking tag for anything. I, we, I, I applied half, well, not, not even half. I would say five of my six tags were goats. And mm. I had one cow tag applied for it. <laughs> I didn't draw shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get a goat here soon. I want to go do one of the Kodiak hunts. We can do that next. Oh, fuck. The problem is September is the best goat hunting time. Yeah. But that's when I'm packing. Um, we could do a February <laughs> go down. I like snowshoeing. <laughs> I got a snow machine. Take that, a snowshoe to Kodiak. <laughs> just <laughs> February goat hunt would be pretty badass. That'd be hardcore. That'd be cool. I'd be down. We might have to put that in the in the work skis because that's something we could do this next February. Yeah. I don't know what Cody like. Kodiak looks like in February. I don't know if it's snowy or not. I assume it is. Uh, on the mountains it is. <laughs> Where the goats live it is. <laughs> it's a lot of snowshoeing. <laughs> you, I know how you feel about snowshoeing. Ah, fucking sucks. You fucking hate snowshoeing. <laughs> no, I don't hate snowshoeing. I hate the fact that I could die from snowshoeing. Because your foot goes through and it turns into a fucking ink. I just, yeah, snowshoeing sucks. We just got to go in the real <laughs> nice windswept area. Yeah. <laughs> no, we need uh, a helicopter. <laughs> we could bring skis. We could hunt off skis. Right. They need to legalize helicopter. You see they fucking pass the uh, sheep closure out in the Brooks Range? Yeah. Cocksuckers. Yeah. Fuck the feds. Yeah, the feds have no business doing any fucking thing. Yeah. So kiss that it's hunt goodbye for uh, it's the next three years. Yeah. <sighs> Shit pisses me off. They've been doing that shit left and right when it comes to the fishing out here. The feds have their hands in it for commercial fishermen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the feds have no right. Get out of our backyard. We don't want you here in the first place. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Go get. <laughs> get on. No, that's frustrating. I saw that the other day, and I was just like, that. I didn't do my part. I didn't call in. I fucked up. Check my clock at work because they fucking do it out of the bullshit times of the day. Three o'clock on a Wednesday. Working people are working. Four o'clock. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Missed the window. Uh, you win something, you lose some. We lost that one, boys. It's like you see the freaking assault weapon ban that got passed through the house. No. Yeah. Define assault weapons. Uh, anything with a 10-round magazine or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Some, no way. some baby back bullshit. It only got passed through the House. Still got to go through the Senate. Um, Anything with a greater than the 10 rounds. There's cutouts, of course, for a bunch of stuff, but there's a lot of bullshit. Like, you can uh, have a M, uh, you know, like M14 Rancher, 
but you can't have the M14 uh, Rancher assault or combat or whatever, which is the exact same gun, just in a synthetic stock opposed to wood stock. There's just a bunch of dumb. It's they're coming for our shit. It's an infringement. Oh yeah, get your dirty dick beaters off my guy. guns. <laughs> I'm not that guy to say, oh, they're taking our guns. You know, I'm I'm not that guy. When they see when they do shit like this, slippery slope. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, God given the whole bump or stock alien thing. Given, I've never seen a bump stock. I've never used a bump stock. Take the fucking bump stock. I can't spell bump stock. Yeah, fucking take it. <laughs> but the whole synthetic stock versus wood stock and ten round magazines and I don't know. I Jad, I'm getting close, man. Yeah, I'm getting close. You can't cut the barrel off something and still be legal, even though it's yours and it's your damn property. It's not legal. Yeah, I know. It was. I watched one, just one video on it because I was just scrolling. I saw it, and it was like a fresh video. I was like, "Oh fuck, I better watch this, see what's going on." And it was uh, YouTube channel is like Mister Guns and Gear or something like that, but he's got a prominent firearms channel on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he did a good deep dive, read through the whole bill and stuff, and it didn't look optimistic. It was it was a pretty pretty inclusive bill. What about pistols with ten rounds or greater? Assault weapon. It's an assault weapon. Yeah. Weapon to assault people. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yep. So your new cool uh, fucking, what is it? The, uh, God damn it, Michael Allen. Brain. It's a belt-fed <laughs> machine gun considered a magazine. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, is it, though? Is it? Think yeah. about it. I was going to say that cool uh, Springfield Hellcat that came out that I wanted so bad. That'd be a... Extra assault. Yeah, 19 rounds. 19. 19 plus 1, 20. <laughs> double 10. Freak out. Panic. Double assault. <laughs> Go buy your guns now. Yep. Because you're soon to be a fucking criminal. How fucking batshit. Ah, I don't know. I'm not political. Yeah. I just hate people. But if I want to shoot a moose with a 50 BMG with a 15 <laughs> round. Fuck <laughs> Yeah. You know. I don't know. I don't want to get too political about it. Me neither. But like, fuck the feds. Fuck the feds. <laughs> fuck the fucking feds. Give the power I hope you're listening, States, old Johnny Law. No, no, fuck the feds, dude. <laughs> Even when people had the BLM riots and things like that, they were going out with their AR-15s. Yeah. They were going out with shotguns. It ain't. It ain't about hunting. It's not. Not even kind of. It's about our right to protect ourselves. Everybody has a right to protect themselves from overreaching governments. Yep. Fighting tyranny. Yep. One step at a time. Every person has that right. Green, blue, yellow, inside, outside, upside down, backwards. We all got that right. We're one of the only places (laughs) with the freedom of speech. Yep. Don't let it it slip, y'all. Don't let it fool you. Other places, they say shit. They can do whatever they want to you. Second you slip up, whether it's hate speech or protesting, you can't protest anywhere. You can't say anything you want. This is the only place on earth where you can do that. We all need to be on the same team for that, you know. Everybody's everybody's separated nowadays. We should all be on the same team for freedom. Same team for human rights. The only way you're going to fight for your rights is with your guns. 
Guns in your voice. Yep. So let it be heard. Well, shit. We ain't being very productive, so we better skedaddle. Yeah, I got dishes to do. Yeah, I got bags <laughs> to pack. Well, you guys, unfortunately, this will be the last time you're here, my pretty voice, for a quite a while. But it's been real. I've really enjoyed it, guys. Don't worry. I'll be back, though. And Mr. Sean and Mrs. Sam are going to keep y'all updated on all the cool, exciting things of Alaska and all that jazz. They're going to give you all their fun hunting trip information and all that. So they're going to have some awesome content coming up for you guys. I'm going to be recording a bunch of in-the-field content for y'all as I go through my first steps of becoming a registered Alaska hunting guide. So I'm excited to share that with you guys and my experiences, you know, just in the mountains in general. Anything and everything. Hopefully have some cool in-the-field interviews with some awesome people as well. And I just can't wait to get my hands on a doll sheep, man. It's going to be sick. So I appreciate you guys understanding that I've got a super awesome and exciting life. I have to go live and that it's not all about you guys. Some of it's about me. So, <laughs> one hundred percent love you. <laughs> it's my world, and you're just living in it. Okay, okay. Like world, motherfuckers. <laughs> no, but thank you guys for understanding that. And I'm sorry you got to listen to Sean's uh, voice from here on out. <laughs> yeah, I don't bring the best information, but I bring the best humor. <laughs> hey, I'll get behind that. I'll get behind that. <laughs> And the best laugh. Y'all hear that? He always he laughs at all my jokes. Makes me feel good about myself. Yeah, they're not all funny. <laughs> I'd say about 30% of them. Uh, give yourself some more credit. 32%. Eh, 31 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no. But no, I will be heading out. By the time y'all are hearing this, I'll be in the field. I will hopefully be giving uh, Sean some in-reach updates on our hunts and stuff. Uh, just so he can uh, g- give y'all a little information. Make y'all uh, feel involved with my life still. Because I want to be in y'all's life. Y'all are devoted listeners. Y'all tune in. Y'all sacrifice your time. So the least I can do is sacrifice my time. So I will do that for y'all. Because I love y'all. I care about y'all. Y'all are my family. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, friends. <laughs> friends. Oh, goodness. Alrighty. Other than that, any house cleaning shit? I can't think of... Completely off topic. I've been listening to sea shanties lately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wild time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Would, re- would recommend. Just all sea shanties or specific? Uh, lots of, a couple, there's a couple really good sea shanties out there, but I, a lot of, yeah, all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that uh, tidbit to just uh, fucking. If anybody's interested, <laughs> shout them sh- out. Yeah, sea shanties. Just Assassin's just Creed Black Flag. It's got a great playlist. <laughs> what was that? Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Uh, yeah, check it out. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, thank you guys for listening. Like always, we really appreciate it. If you leave us a review, leave us a rating on whatever you're listening on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that. You know, you can find us on all of those things, but give us a review, give us a like, reach out on the social medias over there on Instagram or InstaTalk or whatever the fuck that shitty update was. Um, but give us a message over there at average underscore Alaskan underscore podcast or Michael underscore Sabota or Sean underscore love L U V. 
We'll answer all your questions. Get back to it. Um, preferably send those to Sean or the podcast because I won't answer mine for a couple months. <laughs> um, but that is what it is. Shoot us an email over at average underscore Alaskan underscore. Or fuck, that is not what the email is. <laughs> average Alaskan podcast at yahoo.com. That's the email. Shoot an email over there. We'll try and get back to that as quick and prompt as possible. Uh, there might be some delays on that because I will not be able to check it. And that is routed through my personal email. So I got to get Sean all that information. So uh, if nobody answers that, it's fucking Sean's fault. Uh, blame him. No, yeah, I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> But no, we'll try and uh, stay up with all the normal stuff, try and get you episodes as regular as possible, but it's hunting season, uh, so don't blame us, because we won't blame you if you're not listening, because you should be out in the field killing shit. Gonna be so busy. So, uh, just uh, roll with us with that, but uh, once hunting season's over, or starts to slow down, and once I'm back, we will have all kinds of content coming your way, so, uh, you know, it might be a little bit of a lull, but all of a sudden, it'll be a big old flood, you know, everything ebbs and flows, baby, just like the tides here, so um, just be ready to roll with the punches, we ain't going nowhere, if we disappear for a week, don't worry, we'll be back, and on that, send us on out of here, Shonzo. Stay frosty, stay fresh, get after it. Stay average. Go kill a deer. <laughs> Go kill a deer. <laughs> See you guys. Have a good one. Last time I'll be talking to you guys. Stay average. <laughs>